Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining. This episode is Purim, Revealing the Hidden. And of course, this podcast, this cycle has been focusing on Parsha themes in Ramban, but you don't need to know anything else. This is a self-contained Dvar Torah on the beauty of the Yantif of Purim, and specifically revealing the hidden. So let's get started. We all know the famous Gemara Megillah, Dav Zayinam Abayz, that tells us, Machai v'nishlam sumay before ya, Adel Yada. person has a mitzvah to, Rashi translates it as, drink on Purim, uh, until he doesn't know the difference between Ar Haman and Baruch Mordechai, cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. And of course, Mepharshim struggle, what does that mean? How does... Is, does that mean a person needs to get so drunk that he doesn't know a difference? And what what exactly is the mitzvah of drinking on Purim? And what is this amount called Ad Lo Yada until he doesn't know? And one of my favorite shatim in this comes from the Maral on his uh, commentary on Megillus Esther, or Chadash, such a beautiful shot that he says. Many others have said it after him. Um, and it's such a powerful idea. What he says is that the entire purpose of the Purim story, when we read the Megillah once at night and once during the day, we're trying to deeply embed the lesson that Hashem runs the world. And no matter what we do, Hashem's will is always what's going to happen and always what's going to prevail. And even if the Gayim decree against us death, and even if it's Lahashm and Lahari the Jews will prevail with their Torah and Tefillah, and Hashem will save us and take good care of us. And Hashem is the one who's orchestrating all the events and everything that happens, even Esther getting taken into the palace, which was a horrible thing for her and not a good thing for her, but it was for the sake of saving Kla Yisrael, and she became the great shliach to bring out the salvation. Every single Pusik we read in the Megillah, we're being inspired by that and how each piece uh, falls into the bigger picture of how Hashem, whose name is not mentioned throughout the Megillah, but yet his orchestration and guidance is seen throughout the entire Megillah. So says the Maral, what a beautiful shot that he says, that the entire purpose of when we, when we read through the Megillah is to recognize that only Hashem is the one that controls things. And if we are to think to ourselves, Haman was so evil, and Haman was this terrible, sinister person, and it was his own doing that allowed him, and his own it was his own efforts that allowed him to be able to get a decree to destroy the Jews. And if we think to ourselves that, hey, it was Mordechai's brilliance, that saved us, then we have missed the entire point of the Megillah. Because, says the Maral, to Hashem, he has power over the Haman, he has power over the cursed Haman, and he has power over the blessed Mordechai. They are puppets in his hand. And Hashem is the one whose ultimate will is what allowed the Gezerah to come through, which was Lahashman Laharagulabe to destroy the Jews. But Hashem is the one who stopped the decree. And so, what we need to do on, on Purim is to drink and to throw out our own das, our own knowledge, and throw out our own perception of life, and recognize that it's only Hashem who allows anything negative to happen to us, and it is only Hashem who allows anything positive. And that's what we can't differentiate between our Haman and Baruch Mordechai. That level means that we don't attribute anything to Haman or to Mordechai, but yet we come to a higher recognition that it is all from Hashem. The Gezerah was from Hashem, in order to create an opportunity for tshuva for the Jews, and the salvation was just from Hashem in order to create it. And in that same theme, that's where the Maral ends. Now, 
I want to continue that. And that same thing, it's interesting that many people ask that we don't find Moshe's name uh, mentioned throughout the whole entire Haggadah Shel Pesach. I know you know that there's one very minute exception to that. Maybe we'll save that for a different time on Pesach. But basically, throughout the whole Haggadah Shel Pesach, the whole entire Haggadah, you would think that Moshe's name would be there. He was a integral character. But no, the point is, it's the same exact idea that it's a Nivolo Malach. Hashem says, I'm the one that, that causes the salvation. I'm the one that saves you. And that's part of what we sing on Purim, Lohodiyah. And anyone that hopes to Hashem and, and relies on Hashem will be taken care of. That is the entire purpose of Megillus Esther. And that's what it means that a person needs to drink and throw out his das. You don't necessarily have to do it with alcohol. Just throw out your own das. When you drink, you lose some of your das. That it has nothing to do with the sibos, the, the causes, but it has to do with Hashem deciding whatever is going to happen to us, Latov or Lara, Chas Shalom for bad or for good as well, and for our salvation. And, and therefore, we daven and we turn to Hashem alone. And this is very much in line with the Ramban's theme of his favorite, f- famous, famous words, Ki Agazera Emes Vacharitza Sheker. Ramban says that Yosef Atzadik had many opportunities not to go to Dosan and not to confront his brothers, but he was determined to go there because his father had given him a tzivoy to go check on his brothers. His father had commanded him to go check on them, and he was going to do it no matter what, at all costs. And the Ramban says that, that you know, as we see in the Pesukim, Yosef had many opportunities to turn back and to not go to Dosan, but he didn't. He carried through because Hashem was pushing it forward. Because Hashem's decree of what's supposed to happen is immutable and cannot be refuted. And any attempt to stop it is just falsehood. It won't, it won't happen. And Hashem wanted Yosef to get sold down to Egypt in order to bring out the Jews going down there and eventually, of course, them going out of Egypt and being re- redeemed in the right time as well. And this is a lesson of Purim, that if we rely on Hashem, Hashem, Hashem alone has the power. And now for the three stories. The first one is from my dear Rebbe, Rav Asher Zelig Rubenstein Zechot Tzadik Bracha. And this story is actually printed as well, and I'll tell you how to get that in a moment if you want more stories like this. So Rav Asher told over that he had a friend of his that used to play racquetball squash, which is a game that involves, uh, you know, shoot, throw, throwing it around and using a racquetball to hit it. And he incurred a terrible injury when he was accidentally hit in the eye with a racket. And he was rushed to the hospital, and they put a bandage on his eye, and they gave him very strict orders that he needed to go through bed rest. And his eye's recovery lay in the balance he might not ever see again, unfortunately. After two weeks, his wife took him to the hospital to have the bandage removed. And when they pulled uh, open his the bandage, his eye began to gush blood. And his wife interpreted this as a failure in the healing process, and she fainted on the spot because she was afraid of the worst had happened. Well, the doctors revived her, and they explained that she had just witnessed an amazingly crucial part of the recovery. The, there had been a piece of dirt that, that was stuck in the eye that was preventing it from healing properly. But the doctor said that from his assessment, because of that blood that pushed it out, um, that would now healthily get rid of all the infection and all the dirt that was in there, and now he anticipates that it's going to heal properly. And that's exactly what happened. And so Rav Asher said, how many times in life do we see blood and we think that it's the worst thing and we think that this is a sign for failure, of destruction, of problem, but really that's Hashem solving the problem and creating an amazing opportunity for healing. And that's exactly what happened. And you could read the story in my book, uh, Wings of Faith. It's on page 58. And you could take a look. There are amazing stories about seeing Hashem's hand. And uh, check out our website, leverez.com, L-E-V. E-R-E-Z for more information about that. 
the next story is a famous story that's gone around, and this is the version that I heard from someone who uh, knows the man involved. Um, there was a man named Yonkel. He was a hardworking man. He had a wife and three kids, and he wanted to do what was right. He wanted to support his family, and was a bentora, and took his responsibilities very serious. One day he got to work, and he was told that he had been let go. He had heard that there were going to be some shift and movements in the in the workplace, and he got that notice that he had been terminated. And this was just devastating for him. How is he going to support his family? How is he going to pay his bills? And this was something that really, really hit him hard. And he collected his belongings and left the work, and he went to go daven Mincha. And when he got to Mincha, he opened up the sitter, and he was davening, and he was just in tears when he got up to the Pasuk, Tova Hashem la'akol v'rachem la'akol masav. He said, Hashem, you're merciful on everyone. And he, he, couldn't, he couldn't get the words out because it didn't make sense to him. How, how Hashem, where's your mercy? I'm, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a husband. I have responsibilities. And he wanted to accept it. And he struggled for a long time, way beyond the shul's minion, uh, davening and having their shmon esrei. And finally, he was able to say, Hashem, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. But Tova Hashem al racham al I agree and I accept your gezerah. And that was it. And he finished his davening. And he decided, I'm going to believe in Hashem, and I, I know that Hashem has, has, a, has a plan for me, and this is exactly what's best. Well, the next day, on 9-11-2001, many of his coworkers didn't make the attack, didn't survive the attack. But because he had been laid off, he wasn't in the building, and he wasn't there. And he understood so deeply how much Tova Hashem Lakol Racham Lakol Masav, how that exact thing that looked like blood, that looked like the worst for him, that he had been laid off and he lost his job, was actually the biggest blessing and saved his life. What rachamim on his wife and his children and on himself, on his own life, because Hashem had a plan for him. That's what the idea of Purim is. Gezerah emes, if Hashem decides you're going to live, a charitza sheker, you can't stop it no matter what. The last story was publicized by Roy Pesach Krohn in his amazing book, Illuminations of the Magidim. Uh, just came out in 2016. It's on page 147. And it's a famous story, but he fills in some of the details and um, it's just an amazing story about Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, that Rav Yaakov was a, uh, was a rabbi in a small village in uh, Tits, the, the name of the city is uh, Sivvian in Lithuania. And they were not able to pay his uh, salary the least bit whatsoever. So Rav Yaakov applied for a number of other positions. And one of the famous places that he applied was in Vilkomir, which was a large community of 8,000 Jews. And it was a very, very big upgrade for him. Well, they the city deliberated back and forth. And finally, they uh, let him know that he was accepted for the position and that they were going to be sending him his official Ksavra Bunas uh, right after Sukkot and his family would be coming. Well, they never heard back from the city. And a few days after Sukkot, his wife was reading the Yiddish newspaper and she read an article that was congratulating the new rabbi of Vilkomir and it was not her husband. And she was devastated. She was really just broken by this because here they had, Rabbi Yaakov himself said that he was embarrassed to walk by uh, stores, the grocery store, because of the amount of money that they owe, the amount of debt. This had been an opportunity, and now it was lost. And she showed him, and he understood that somehow his position had been given to someone else. And Ryakov told her, we need to be strong. This is what Hashem decided. It's for the best. Even if we can't see it, even if we don't understand it, this is what's for the best. And of course, his wife was a great woman as well, and she accepted that. And they both worked on their bitachon together. Well, he had to do a shtalas. He needed money. And he ended up, he had learned in the Salbatka Yeshiva. And so he uh, had the opportunity to go to America in 1937 uh, to solicit funds for Salbatka Kol. Now, before he left, he went to his Rebbe, the Devar Avram, who gave him smicha. 
Rav Ram Dov Ber Kahana Shapiro, and who passed away in 1943. And he asked him, you know, about this trip to give him a bracha. And the Devar of Ram was very, very stern with him. And he said, you need to go to America. That's where, that's where it is for you. That's where, you're, that's where you guys need to bring your hashba, your influence. And Uriakov fought back and said, no, I, I need to be in Lithuania. And, and the Tzvar of Ram said, no, you're wrong. There are 300 more Rabbanim like you here in Lithuania. They don't need you here. In America, they need your Torah and they need your Chinuch. And Yaakov was not convinced, but his Rebbe had spoken it, and so he was at least open to it. Well, on March 12, 1938, after Adolf Hitler made the Anschluss with Austria, everybody understood what was going on, and Yaakov certainly did as well. And so Yaakov that year uh, made a decision that he was going to follow his Rebbe's advice of the Devar of Rome. This was not a safe place for him to be, and he needs to get out of here. And he um, ended up Rabbi Yaakov had taken on a, a interim position in the in a shul in Seattle, but it was a very temporary position. And he knew that if he was going to bring his family over, he would need to take a real position and also be able to have the finances to pay for them to come back. And so he interviewed in a very large community in Toronto. And the community was very torn about him. On the one hand, they loved him. He was a tremendous scholar and a brilliant and friendly and amazing person. On the other hand, uh, many of the people in that community uh, had Hasidic background. And so one of the questions they asked him was, do you have a Rebbe? And he said, yeah, I do. Um, I have a Rebbe that I served diligently. I ate with him. I slept in his home. I, I, I took care of him. He was referring to Rebbe Nassim Svi Finkel. I learned from him. I, um, but he was, he was a Litvak. I mean, he was, not, he was not a Hasidish person. And so there was a big debate whether, whether or not to accept him or not. And what happened next is just amazing. There was a Hasidish Rebbe that was passing by, passing through Toronto, and he was from Lithuania. And um, he said to the board, he said, that's Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky that you're interviewing. Let me tell you about him. He said he was a candidate in the city of Vilkomir, and he was actually accepted for the candidacy. And even though there's a tremendous Hasidic presence there, I could tell you that if he was good enough for them, he's certainly good enough for you guys. And it was because of that comment that Rabbi Yaakov got the job. And on September 11th, 1938, Rabbi Yaakov brought over his family and accepted that position, which he held until 1945. And the Toronto community was very, very deeply inspired and, and, and built up by Rabbi Yaakov and his family. And so that's the story Ezra Pesach Krohn brings it down. I've heard it from other people with another detail, which I haven't verified, um, which was that when the Germans took over all the cities and they got to Vilkomir, unfortunately, the first person to be executed by them was it was the rabbi of the city. Uh, what Rabbi Pesach Krohn does say in the story that in his research was that the entire city of Vilkomir was murdered by the Nazis. But suffice it to say that the fact that Rabbi Yaakov did not get that position or the fact that Rabbi Yaakov did get the position, but it wasn't held for him for whatever reason, is what made it that him and his family got out of Europe and were able to rebuild America in Canada and in the United States of America. And he was able to follow the Dvar of Ram, his Rebbe's advice, and become a tremendous leader for the Jews. And so the bottom line is that Hashem is one who runs the show. And sometimes we think we know what's best for us, but Hashem always knows what's best for us. Hashem is always advocating for what's best for us. And when we keep that in mind, we have taken home the message of Purim, Lodia, which is to teach us, Shekol Kovecha, 
Anyone that believes, that hopes to Hashem, lo yivoshu, they'll never be embarrassed. That's the greatest, most reliable person to, re- to believe in. Most reliable entity to believe in. And if you cover yourself in Hashem's shade, if you ask Hashem to protect you and take care of you, He will be there for you. And He will give you what's best. This Purim, may we shine forth with a tremendous amount of growth and be able to see Hashem in every which way in our lives and reveal the hidden. The hidden is that Hashem is always watching and Hashem is always guiding. And may that inspire us and illuminate our path. And may we live with tremendous bitachon and growth. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at parshathemes.com.